Girlfriends, episode number 153, Seven Ways to Find Peace at Christmas. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about finding peace at Christmas. Is that even possible? I can't wait to talk with you about this topic. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriends, welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Here we are. We're in the thick of it, right? That's why I picked this topic for this week, because I know peace is probably pretty far from most of our daily experiences right now. And yet, Jesus is coming no matter what, right? As we talked about a few weeks back, even if you don't get all the things done, December 25th will come, baby Jesus is coming, and we are to be preparing our hearts for the Prince of Peace. Jesus is going to bring us peace, but we don't have to wait till December 25th to find peace at Christmas. We're going to talk about some of the basic ways that we can lose that feeling of frenzy this time of year and really find a sense of peace in the Christmas season. But before we get to that, I just want to quickly mention my book, You Are Enough. I've been receiving feedback from some of you podcast listeners, and I appreciate it. It's still available at Amazon as of the time that I'm recording this. Um, Still not yet available at ascensionpress.com. They are um, they've ordered a second printing, which is great. I mean, we sold out. That's awesome, right? That's really great news. Um, and I'm really happy for all the ways that you all have supported the uh, release of this book. But if you are looking for a last minute Christmas gift, maybe a New Year's gift for yourself or for a friend, for a sister, for a daughter, for your mom, you can still get copies of You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth at Amazon. So um, that link is always in the show notes, but you can also go to my social media and get more information about it there. I can't wait to keep on sharing the book with you in the coming year. I'm excited about that. And I just also want to give a quick shout out to the fact that I have a newly designed day retreat for women that is designed around the content of You Are Enough, looking at women in the Old Testament and what we can learn about God's unique love for you, God's unique love for all women in a particular way, and the mission that God calls you to through your womanhood, through those stories of women in the Old Testament. So I can't wait to share all of that content with you. If you're interested in finding out more about the You Are Enough retreat based on the content of my You Are Enough book, you can go to daniellebean.com slash retreat. But if you're just looking for a speaker for a conference, for a community event, for something going on at your parish, you can also invite me to come speak at your parish. I'd love to come out and meet you. I'm booking events through 2019 right now. So you could go to daniellebean.com slash speaking and get more information about that. I'd love to come and meet you and get to know the women of your community. Okay, getting on with this week's topic, seven ways to find peace at Christmas. Is it even possible, right? So many of us are running around in a frenzy this time of year, and it gets so crazy busy, and things, we're so out of our routines, out of our schedules, out of our daily habits that bring us comfort, and yet we're told we're supposed to find peace at Christmas. How can we do that? So I'm going to share some very basic things, and really, really getting back to basics with this first tip that I have for you is breathe. That's my first first tip for you. 
It's easy, right? Just breathe? Well, you'd be amazed. <laughs> if you pay attention to your breathing, during times where um, you're stressed, whenever I've been really busy or stressed, if I all of a sudden pay attention to my breathing, I realize I'm breathing really shallow breaths, sometimes almost like a panting. And that is a vicious cycle, which contributes to your feeling of stress, your physical stress um, that leads to emotional stress. And the emotional stress leads to more of that physical stress. Pay attention to your breathing. Um, you know, whether you're like, you know, at the mall dealing with traffic, you know, trying to wrap gifts or make a recipe or host a party or whatever it is that's stressing you out right now. Take a moment. Breathe in real deep through your nose, like as deep as you possibly can. Really, truly fill your lungs and then breathe out slowly through your mouth. Do that a few times, just con consciously breathing in and out. It will slow your heartbeat. It will relax you. It will release some of those stress hormones. I promise you, spend a little bit of time. It doesn't even have to take five minutes. It could take you know, a minute and a half to just spend some time just focusing on your breathing. And you know what? This is something that if you, the more you become aware of it, the more you can kind of make a habit of kind of taking a time out, checking in with your breathing, making sure you're not doing that crazy stress breathing thing that we can all get in the habit of doing that's going to leave you feeling miserable. But take time to breathe. I mean, talk about the basics, right? We all need oxygen. And it's something that normally we don't even have to think about. We're breathing in and out. But it can really be helpful and can really slow you down and relax you to just consciously take those in and out breaths. I remember I mentioned this. I don't remember on what topic it was, but on the podcast previously. And a woman wrote to me afterwards saying, Oh my gosh, I never thought about my breathing before in my life. And um, she found it life-changing. <laughs> Just the idea of focusing on your breathing when you're feeling stressed. So, or even before you feel stressed, make it a habit to, you know, occasionally when you're taking a time out, when you're maybe lying down for a minute, taking a nap. We talked about that last week. You need your rest. Um, but just to be conscious of your breathing and make sure you're breathing truly deeply in and out and relax yourself in that way. So very basic. Breathe. <laughs> So funny how we forget the basics this time of year. All right, number two, also pretty basic, getting back to basics, go outside. I know here in New Hampshire, we've got like a foot, a foot and a half of snow on the ground. It's like six degrees out with a wind blowing. Outside is not necessarily the funnest place to be this time of year, but it actually is. I mean, you don't have to go and spend all afternoon outside, but go outside and breathe some fresh air. No matter where you live, even if you live in the, in the heart of a city, going outside changes you. It, you physically respond to breathing air outside as opposed to breathing air inside. It changes your perspective a little bit. And, you know, if you can, go for a walk. It changes your mood. It wakes you up. Um, it doesn't even have to be a long walk, but getting outside on a regular basis, especially during times where you're feeling stressed and where you're feeling extra busy, it's such an important way that you can relax yourself get back to basics. You know, human beings aren't actually designed to be like sitting at a desk working on a computer eight hours a day. That's not what our bodies are built for. Our bodies are actually built for our natural environment. So we're very much, even when we're living very indoorsy lives this time of year, many of us, we are very much made for the outdoors and we're meant to be like in tune with natural light, make a huge difference in your mood. 
Um, you know, I, for those people who might suffer from seasonal affective disorder or some form of it, just feeling down when you're not getting as much daylight. I mean, here in New Hampshire, honestly, I don't know the exact time, but it feels like the sun sets at like 3.30. It might be more like 3.45, but these are like the shortest days of the year. We are not getting a lot of sunlight and your body needs it. And your body needs it just to regulate your moods and to give you energy. So um, you're not going to get it from that, you know, fluorescent light in your office or that lamp in your room or whatever. You're going to get it from getting outside. Get some of that natural sunlight in your eyeballs. Get some of that fresh air in your lungs. You're going to feel so much better. Even if you just take like a one minute break and go outside, it can shift your mood. I remember doing this like with toddlers over the years, like you've got a cranky toddler, take him outside. Um, or like I remember with baby Danny, he used to always get the croup. I guess some kids are just more prone to it than others. That croupy, horrible cough that's so scary. And they're like wheezing and coughing that horrible barking cough. Anyway, in the middle of the night. Um, and the doctor would say either run a hot shower and have him breathe the hot, steamy air or take him outside because the cold air in his lungs will also help to calm down that cough. And I remember taking like a panicky baby Danny outside because he was like struggling to breathe and in that fresh air. And he just would look up, look up at the moon, look up at the stars. And he was so distracted. And uh, it was I remember just a really beautiful moment where um, and, and I thought to myself, like, we all need that. We all need to be taken outside sometimes. So take yourself outside. Take your kids with you. Take your husband with you. Go outside. Change everybody's mood. Sometimes this time of year, you can kind of get cabin fever. You're kind of feeling cooped up. And especially with the extra activity and not as much space in the house. Do you feel it when your Christmas tree is up that you have less space in your house? I always feel it. Not so much when we put it up, but I realize when we take it down, like, Ooh, we have all this room in here. <laughs> it feels great. But know that the opposite is happening. You've got extra stuff. You've got decorations. You've got things going on that aren't usually going on. You've got projects. You've got baking projects and whatever else is going on. And it's taking up space in your mind. But also physically, it's taking up space in your house. You are feeling that emotionally and spiritually and physically. You are feeling that. And you can change how you feel about that just by stepping outside. Step out into the great wide wonder just for a few moments. And um, if you don't live in a place that's naturally beautiful, you might make an effort to go to a place that's naturally beautiful. Go to a park. Go somewhere where you can take in some of nature's beauty and um, really just kind of switch your mood and um, shift gears a little bit. And there's nothing like getting outside to do that for you. Okay. Number three way to find peace at Christmas. This is something that I read online. I wish I could give credit to whoever it was, but I Googled it and it's all over the place now. So I can't give credit to the original person who said this, but I, I love it. And it's something that stuck with me through the years, especially around Christmas time. Remember that how is more important than how much. And now what we mean by this is to pay attention to how you're doing things. Sometimes this time of year, we get focused on efficiency, right? I, I shared how in past years, I've sometimes been too focused on efficiency, especially with regard to gift giving um, and kind of left in out of the process. Well, think about how you're buying gifts or how, a great example, how you're baking cookies, right? How you bake the cookies. Like, let's say you cheerfully and happily and in a very positive, pleasant way, bake 12 cookies with your kids. That's awesome, right? And then 
compare that, though, to the idea of being more focused on how much, right? And you're thinking, I can't just bake 12 cookies. I need to bake 12 dozen cookies. And I have to do it in a frenzy because I'm feeling stressed out by the amount of work that this is going to require from me. And I'm not going to enjoy a minute of it. I'm going to be crabbing at my kids through the whole thing. How you do it is more important than how much. Give yourself permission to do less of things, to have less to show for your efforts in the end. Do a smaller project. Take on something smaller than you otherwise would. Sometimes we feel like, oh, it's Christmas. Every, every single thing has to be over the top. Well, it doesn't have to be because that's going to affect how you feel about it. That's going to affect your stress levels and the amount of peace that you have in participating in these things that are supposed to be fun, by the way. <laughs> supposed to be fun to bake Christmas cookies, right? So focus on how rather than how much. And you'll be surprised by how many different parts of your holiday celebrations that applies to, like entertaining, for example. Do you have to host three different events for three different groups of people? Or could you host just one and enjoy the process, enjoy everything about it, rather than feel like a frenzied, busy, crazy, stressed out mess? Could you just be at peace doing a little bit less than what you normally do? Doing a little bit less, maybe sending out fewer Christmas cards or um, focus more on the how than the how much. I love that. And I think it's really important. And it, it kind of encourages you to, to pay attention to your moods. Sometimes in our goals that we come up with for the Christmas season or for Advent, for preparing for Christmas, in our goals, we get focused on the how much. We get focused on results, right? We're results driven. Like I need to have this many parties. I need to have this many cards sent out. I need to buy this many gifts. I need to, you know, whatever it is that is stressing you out right now. Um, think about the how you're doing it and whether or not you're at peace doing it or if it's just adding to your stress because you are focused on how much you're focused on a big outcome that maybe it doesn't need to be so big. We all have areas of our Christmas celebrations that we can so adjust and give yourself permission to do that in favor of the how, in favor of doing it well, in favor of doing it cheerfully, in favor of just enjoying it and having your family enjoy it too. So think about ways in your life where that might apply, remembering that how is more important than how much. All right. Number four, savor little things. We all like to say that we do this, right? But do you really do this? Especially during the Christmas season, there's so many opportunities, so many beautiful things that are just built into our traditions. You know, even just lighting candles on the Advent wreath. It's beautiful. Having a cup of coffee, sitting and looking at the tree in the morning. It's a beautiful moment, right? The taste of a special treat that you might make for Christmas time or the smell of a candle or music. You know, I shared a couple of weeks ago my Advent I didn't make it. Somebody else made it. And I've shared it in years past, the Advent playlist on Spotify. But if there's some music that you enjoy this time of year, you know, savor it. Savor sitting down for a moment and really just listening to it rather than having it just playing in the background in your life. Really savor something. Savor something that's little and enjoy the simple beauty of so many of the things this time of year. If you have little people in your life, that's a wonderful way to do it. Just see things through their eyes. Enjoy things the way that they enjoy them, which is without the stress, without the worry, without the frenzy, without the worrying about 600 other things I need to do, right? Kids are so awesome about being present in the moment. So if you have little people in your life or if you have an opportunity to visit with little people this Christmas time, that's a great way to focus on savoring 
little pleasures, little joys of the season. There's a lot of peace to be found in that. Sometimes we make it all about the big events and the big present and the big wow and the big party and whatever, you know, this time of year. We just, I think we get a little bit carried away in thinking everything needs to be over the top when sometimes our greatest joys are found in little simple things. And I think sometimes we like to say that we recognize the value of that um, more so than we like to actually engage in enjoying those simple things, focusing on enjoying those simple things. Think about something in your life every day. You should be enjoying something simple and small, savoring something about this special time of year, right? We have so many memories that are caught up in this time of year, so many special traditions and things that we enjoy this time of year. Thing, you know, foods that we might make, people that we might see and visit with that we don't often get to see, the smells of foods that we bake or candles that we light or the sound of music. Enjoy those things. Enjoy the lights in your neighborhood. Savor something that's small and simple and isn't going to cost you stress. Just in that savoring, in that living, in that one little moment, you're going to find a lot of peace. All right, the fifth way that I want to suggest for you to find peace this Christmas, because I do believe it's possible, is to make amends with somebody. Now, this might be your husband who you snapped at when you were going out the door this morning. It might be that easy, but maybe there's something else. There's someone else in your life that you need to make amends with. You know, we're getting ready for the new year. Do you want to start the new year with all your old baggage? You want to be dragging that into 2019 with you? Maybe not. What can you let go of? What resentments can you let go of? What bitterness, what woundedness, what anger can you let go of as a gift to yourself this Christmas season? And, you know, we talked before about possibly looking for someone that you might forgive during the Advent season as a gift for Jesus. Well, it doesn't have to be something super dramatic, and it doesn't even have to be someone that is going to appreciate your forgiveness. Sometimes the hardest things to do are to let go of wounds where the person who wounded us does not even care and they're not even sorry, right? That's really hard. But what are you holding on to? What happened? What happened in the past year that you can afford to let go of as we're going into the new year, as we're preparing for Jesus's coming? How can you make amends with somebody? And maybe it is calling up, you know, your relative that you haven't talked to in a long time because they said that rude thing a long time ago. Um, We talked about boundaries a few weeks ago, and I got tons of feedback on that episode. So I know a lot of people have family stuff going on, right? We know that. So this time of year, those things can really come to a head. But instead of allowing it to come to a head, can you let go of it? Maybe there's that one relative who always gets on your nerves at that family gathering and you are dreading seeing that person. Maybe you've built it up in your mind. Maybe they really are just willfully trying to be a jerk to you. Can you let go of it? Can you make amends in your own heart and in your own mind with regard to that person? What's caused you pain in the last year and how can you make a choice to let it go before the start of a new year? What can you let go of? So that's number five. I want to encourage you to make amends with somebody. And whether you ever tell them or not that you're forgiving them and that you're moving on, doesn't matter. It might be as formal as that. It might be as complete as that, but it doesn't have to be. This is a gift you're giving yourself, a gift of peace, the kind of peace that you can only find in letting go of these things. All right, number six, and I'm going to get in trouble because I didn't put this first. 
<laughs> I know you know who you are. You all are going to email me and say prayer should be number one when you're looking for peace. Well, it happens to be number six on my list. Okay, that's just where it fell. Um, <laughs> anyway, snarky emails aside, prayer is truly the way that we find peace, right? We're talking about the Prince of Peace, the coming of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And he's the source of that peace that we're seeking. He's the source of that fulfillment and satisfaction and joy, the peace that we all want this time of year. Connection with God is truly the only place that we find peace, right? We're all built for it. We're all built longing for something more. And that something more that every one of us is longing for is a relationship with God. And we won't fully realize it in its completeness until the next life, hopefully, when we go to heaven. Um, But we can begin to have our taste of heaven through connection with God through prayer. So if you are feeling frenzied, if you are thinking, I have no peace this Christmas season, it's impossible. Well, make a little time in your life for some prayer extra prayer. If you already have prayer time built into your day, that's great. Add to it. Find another prayer time to add to your day. But if you're not already, and sometimes this is one of the things that goes out the window when we get busy preparing for Christmas, as ironic as it is, we throw Jesus out the window. Um, If you're not spending a lot of time in prayer, look for a way to do that. Look for a simple way to turn your heart toward God and connect with Jesus Really have that communion with your creator that you're built for. You're not going to have peace without that. So ultimately, this is the ultimate source of peace is Jesus and having our relationship with Jesus. Our connection with God is always where we're going to find peace. So look for ways to do that. You could make an extra time to go to mass in your week. You could make time for a holy hour, but it doesn't even have to be as formal as that. It can just be spending five minutes doing a little bit of spiritual reading, five minutes just closing your eyes and communing with God and opening your heart to what he might want to tell you this Christmas season. So spending time in prayer is number six, a way to find peace during Christmas time. All right, last one. Number seven, way to find peace during the Christmas season is, and this is a no-brainer and you're gonna be doing this anyway, but I want you to do it in a focused way, spending time with people you love. Now, Of course, there are all kinds of Christmas gatherings, right? (laughs) That's part of the stress. Um, But really, what I'm talking about is being intentional, especially with your own immediate family. Make some time for your marriage. Uh, I learned early on in our marriage that Christmas was a really stressful time for our marriage. And if we weren't careful about it, we could take each other for granted. And it could be a time that's really rife for conflict between Dan and me because we're both feeling the stress of the season, financial stress, emotional stress, physical stress, all of those things. We're feeling it this time of year. And you can easily take it out on your spouse. You can easily take it out on your kids. So find a way. And I really want you to focus on your own immediate family. Even if you're single, I love that we have single ladies listening to the Girlfriends podcast. Um, you know, the, the people who are closest to you, maybe it's your roommates, maybe it's your immediate family, maybe it's your mom or a sister or a brother. Find a way to intentionally spend time in a non-stressful way with the people that you love. And that might mean, this is the hard part, saying no to some things. Looking at your calendar and saying, you know what, we always go to the Jenkins party, but 
I think this year I'm just not going to make it. We're just not going to make it. And that night we're going to stay in and we're going to watch Elf and we're going to make hot cocoa and it's going to be family time. It's easy as that. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. But intentionally spending time with the people you love in a non-formal, non-stressful way is truly a source of peace this time of year because we're all looking for that connection. We all want those memories that are, are built around kind of spending time together with the people that we love, right? And we do it in these orchestrated kind of formal ways of, you know, the, the holiday dinner or whatever it might be. But I think we need built into our Christmas celebrations and the preparations leading up to it some downtime together with people that we love that's not scheduled necessarily, not not overly formalized, but just spending that time in the same room together. That truly is like a way that we can kind of refresh and replenish ourselves and feel that peace that comes through human connection, especially with the people that mean the most to us. So that's number seven, spending time with people you love. All right, just to recap these, number one, breathe in and out, right? Not in and out, in and out, in and out. No, no, no. In and out. <laughs> you can do this. Uh, number two, go outside. Number three, remember how is more important than how much. Number four, savor little things. Number five, make amends with someone. Number six, pray, connect with God. And number seven, spend time with the people that you love. You may have things that you want to add to your list, that you want to add to this list, that you want to share with other girlfriends here on the podcast. I would love to hear your ideas and the ways that you have found peace this Christmas season. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can always connect with me on social media, but you know I love it when you leave me a voicemail. So you can either connect on Voxer to leave a voicemail. The link to connect with me on Voxer is always in the Girlfriends podcast show notes that are published over at ascensionpress.com. But if you don't want to do the whole Voxer thing, you can just record a voice memo on your phone and then email it to me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Thank you for all the ways you connect. And now don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascension presents. That's youtube.com slash ascension presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. Welcome back to Girlfriends. Now it's time for a little feedback. And um, I chose a question that I received from a listener by email this past week. Cassie wrote to me and she said, I know you've talked before about doing date nights with your husband. Do you have any ideas for us? We are a young couple with four small children. The oldest is six with a pretty limited budget. If I'm honest, though, I just feel so tired. Going out seems like too much for me at the end of the day. How can we make sure we're taking time for our marriage, even if we are young, poor, and tired? Cassie. <laughs> well, I love your honesty there, Cassie, <laughs> that it's not just about the limited budget and it's not just about the kids, but you're tired. Oh, my gosh. You have four little kids under the age of six. That's a tiring time of life that you are living right now. And you're right. I've talked about date nights so much that I feel like everybody must know this about me, but apparently <laughs> I haven't shared details recently, so I will share. Um, 
and I'll share how Dan and I handled date nights back when we were living a life very similar to what you're living right now, Cassie, because I think it will be helpful to you. And I am a big believer in date nights. I am. But that said, it doesn't have to mean hiring a babysitter and going out to a restaurant and then a movie or a show or whatever. It's great when you can do that and it can be so much fun. Um, but it doesn't have to look like that in order to be a regular part of your marriage. What date nights means to me is regularly taking time, focused time to be together in an intentional way and having fun together, connecting. It doesn't have to be like, you know, you're going to have these these great, intimate, deep conversations on your date night. Sometimes you're just going to watch a show together and it's going to be fun. Um, but you do have to be intentional about it. You know, you don't just like wind up on the couch watching a show together on a Thursday night and call that date night. I, I think that part of the the example that it sets for your kids, but then also part of what it says to each of you about the importance and value that you're placing on your relationship is in planning it ahead of time. And now don't don't break out in hives because I said plan your date night. I, I'm not giving you some major assignment that's going to exhaust you. Um, so back in the day when we had lots of little kids and not very much money, um, Dan and I used to have date night every Thursday night. We did. Like we were... Um, we were really good about it. Keeping our date nights were Thursday nights. We had this routine in our family and it was so fun. Let me tell you what we would do is um, we had certain shows that we liked to watch and we would have them either recorded or we would time it right because this was back with like must see TV on NBC, right? You know what I'm talking about. Seinfeld and Friends and ER, right? Anyway, now you all know how old my marriage is. <laughs> anyway, but that said, we would usually on Thursday nights, we would plan to watch some of our shows together. Or if it didn't happen exactly work out on a Thursday night, we would plan to watch a movie together or whatever, um, or play a game together. Um, but it just something casual like that, watching a movie, watching a show, playing a game, um, reading a book together. Some couples are, are really into that. Dan and I used to do that sometimes too. But I really like the the casual way that it can just be watching a television show together, right? But the point was on those nights, I would give the kids dinner, um, you know, an early dinner. And usually it was something super easy like hot dogs or SpaghettiOs or, you know, something that the kids actually felt like was a treat anyway. Um, you know, SpaghettiOs for dinner or pancakes or whatever, you know, an easy dinner for the kids. And um, when they were little enough, they would go to bed before we had our dinner together. Um, but then when they were older, they kind of enjoyed being a part of the planning and they would go upstairs to either, you know, play games or watch something themselves or um, read books or, or whatever. But they knew on these nights, on mom and dad's date night, which was Thursday nights, we are out of their hair. Like we get our we get our dinner and then we stay out of the way. And that didn't mean they weren't able to come down and ask for something. But, um, you know, generally speaking, they they respected that. And I thought that was a really good example to set for them that we were important enough to each other. And our marital relationship was important enough that we would take that time to spend alone together. And, yeah, you kids, we love you like crazy, but you're not the most important thing right now. We're focused on each other. Um, so I really love the example that that set. But, OK, I'm getting ahead of myself because the details are it was something casual, like watching a show together. Sometimes we'd play Scrabble or whatever. Um, but it could be that laid back. And dinner 
this was the other thing. Don't stress about dinner. You know, we would maybe, um, we would get takeout sometimes, but not all the time. That's another budget thing. Um, or like, I remember I would make steak and cheese sandwiches, something that's super easy, cheeseburgers, something that would be kind of fun and different and we could have together with like a bottle of wine or whatever. Um, but what I really loved about that was we got in the habit where we didn't break date night. Like it was date night, date night was happening. Um, we've since changed because our family life has shifted and we were more able to go out as we had kids as built-in babysitters. And um, so we've kind of shifted and Dan and I still do spend a lot of intentional time together, but we don't have our Thursday nights <laughs> not changing it date night thing anymore. But I, it really was a sweet time looking back on that. And I love that we did that. But what I loved about it was that it was such an unchangeable thing that there were times when Dan and I would be in a fight. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. We were in a fight like starting that morning or something, you know, some disagreement, some conflict between us. And they were bad feelings. And we would have our date night anyway. And we would use that as an opportunity to force ourselves to reconnect. It didn't always happen magically and perfectly. Um, but I loved that it was built into our relationship. Like, this is a time that we spend together and enjoy each other. So you're going to do it even if you're mad right now, you know? <laughs> and I love that we did it. We both were very faithful about it. We never we never neglected a, a date night because we were angry or um, some kind of conflict was between us. And I felt like that was a really healing thing that was built into our marriage, that forced reconnection. And sometimes it did feel forced and we needed it. So um, I loved that about it. So Cassie, that's the long answer to your question. Um, that date night can look like that. Give yourself permission to, you know, it doesn't always have to be a big to-do. I know you're exhausted. And just it's about being intentional about the time you spend together. And maybe it's not going to work for you to do it on a weekday evening. Maybe it's going to be a Saturday afternoon where, um, you know, just where you retreat to go get a cup of coffee together or something, you know. Um, find a way that works for you and make it something that you enjoy. Just make it an enjoyable thing. It sounds like maybe, you know, when you feel exhausted, it feels like another chore. Like, oh, now I'm failing at marriage because I haven't planned a date night and I don't have the energy to go out and do it right now and or we don't have the budget to do it or whatever it is. Um, give yourself permission to be flexible about it. And you can do it without ever leaving your house. You can do it without spending much money at all. It's really about being intentional, about spending time together doing something you enjoy. And now that said, it doesn't always have to be a movie or a television show. I'm really a big fan of couple projects. Maybe it would be like a home improvement project that you do in your house. Dan and I have done many of those. Well, he built our house, so he kind of gets the ultimate home improvement project award. But we've had other projects in our house where we really enjoy spending that time together um, after the kids have gone to bed. Even when our kids were very little, we would sometimes take on a painting project in the house. Um, Dan would build a piece of furniture and I would be responsible for painting it or, or whatever it was. We would work on it together after the kids had gone to bed. And these weren't necessarily date nights, but just to get your creative juices flowing a little bit, that, you know, date nights can look like that. Date nights can look like taking a class together. Date nights can look like reading a book together. Date nights can be taking an online course together. Date nights can be, now we've done this one, um, fitness doing a fitness program together. So fun. And I have had some of my most funny moments doing 
um, workout videos with Dan and we're like <laughs> complaining to each other and encouraging each other. And it's really just hilarious, actually. And it, it makes the, the workout so much more enjoyable. And it's kind of fun to have like a shared fitness goal, um, something that you're working on together. But, you know, pick and choose and, and, and know that it's going to shift as your family life shifts, as your your needs and preferences shift, as your ability to go out in the evening changes, you know, as your kids get older. I know it feels like forever away, but the day will come when your now six-year-old will be watching the other ones while you go out. And it's totally, totally possible in the future. Anyway, Cassie, I hope that's encouraging for you about date nights. If other people have ideas you want to share with Cassie or with other listeners here at Girlfriends about how you do date nights, how you make it work, how you spend intentional time together as a couple, I'd love to hear about them and share them on a future episode. So let me know, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. Connect with me on Voxer or send me those voicemails. You know I love that. Well, that's all I've got for today. I've got my huge to-do list that I'm going to go about peacefully this day. <laughs> and I'm going to encourage you to go out and do your to-do lists with a renewed sense of peace during this Advent season. Thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate the fact that you are a part of the Girlfriends community. Thanks so much for being a part of what I do here on the podcast. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. Thank you.